The Garden Report is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Hey, Manning here. Welcome to late night edition of The Garden Report. We are here with the Michael Cole from the Memphis Commercial Appeal. I think we've had you on here yep. once before, DeMichael. Welcome back. And uh, we got a ton to talk about between the Celtics and the Grizzlies. Uh, just about a week ago, not as well. Yeah, there was there was huge surprise on both sides. I would say mm-hmm. this trade going down, despite probably some signs that not only Tyus Jones would move, which I think there was more uh, rumblings about, but the Celtics sand position to make a big shakeup after going down three nothing in the East Finals and losing Game Seven and falling short of the finals last year and they made that move by trading Marcus Smart here who's gonna play a substantial part in Memphis's future it seems fitting I I didn't even know DeMichael that you know a ton of people are making the comparison yeah the TA the Tony Allen addition in Memphis and Marcus Smart same age but I never knew same college same college, yep. Tony Allen coming out of Oklahoma State and the Boston Celtics to make a major impact on Memphis. And let's start there. What's what's the mood in Memphis on this trade? Because they do give up a good player in Tyus Jones, yep. but I think an exciting player coming back to Marcus Smart. Well, I think people are happy from the saving perspective of it. The Grizzlies kind of worked some magic in a way uh, from the perspective of they need to replace Dylan Brooks and Tyus Jones, but – you look at kind of what the Celtics are going to, you know, come close to here in the near future. Uh, same thing with the Grizzlies from a, a cap perspective. Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr., John Morant are closely getting to the point where they're going to occupy most of the of the cap and the Grizzlies are going to go into the luxury tax. Grizzlies haven't been into the luxury tax for a long time. So with that being said, uh, acquiring market smart in a way killed two, you know, knocked out two birds with one stone uh, for the Grizzlies because – they got their wing defender, which they were aiming to replace with Dylan Brooks. And they also got a guy who can potentially uh, run the point guard with the second unit and smart as well. So uh, that's kind of how they look at it in terms of, hey, they're going to pay him $19 million, but you'd probably been paying thirty upwards of $30 million, uh, to get two players to fill those same roles. So I think that's the good part. But there is some caution, too. I mean, as I, as I was asking you, uh, a couple of days ago, like Grizzlies fans, when they when they saw the Marcus Smart edition, there was some okay. Can he guard the the, the Kevin Durant, the Kawhi Leonard's, the Lucas? Because that's who you're gonna have to beat in Memphis to get you know to where the Grizzlies want to go. And Dylan Brooks fared you know decently well against those guys. And now Marcus Smart, as of you know as the roster is currently constructed. He's going to get those matchups, and I think people uh, want to know if he can be the guy that's going to take on those assignments and win those matchups, at least, you know, uh, hold those guys below their averages. So how did this end up coming together for Memphis? Because Mm -hmm. you have to think, so obviously everyone knows what happened on the Celtics side here. The Brogdon Mm -hmm. trade falls apart. Uh, They have until midnight to get Chris Stapps to opt into that contract and – uh, they need to find a third team, I guess, to compensate Washington because Washington probably wanted nothing to do with Brian's contract. Brian Windhorst said that probably no teams uh, want anything yeah. to do with that contract given his injury status right now. So uh, they weren't going to be able to reroute him. I can't imagine that 
the Celtics picked up the phone at 1030 for the first time with no, the Grizzlies no. and, and said, you know, you guys interested in smart? Like, you know, let's work this out. This had to be a conversation going back some amount of time here. And it makes me wonder if the Celtics did get that first deal done, would something have still been on the table with Memphis here and Marcus Smart? Because I have to imagine mm-hmm. this conversation happened prior. And when the Bruggs oh, yeah. thing fell apart at 1030, Boston goes back to Memphis and revisits conversations previously had about Smart. Oh, yeah. Memphis, Memphis has had interest in, in Marcus Smart. So it kind of leads me to believe that the Celtics knew that the Grizzlies had interest in Marcus Smart, but it, it shows that the Celtics didn't want to let Marcus Smart go. Uh, once everything fell through with Brogdon, it, they clearly really wanted Christoph Porzingis, and the next, the next option, you know, for that to happen was you, you had to let go of Marcus Smart. The Grizzlies, uh, he's a guy who they like as a wing defender, and as I said, that is probably uh, the top priority uh, that the Grizzlies had uh, this offseason in, in replacing, you know. Dylan Brooks and getting another guy who can play on the wing, but probably, you know, from a different offensive impact perspective. And that's what uh, the Grizzlies are hoping to get in Marcus Smart. Yeah. And what what happened with Tyus Jones here? And we'll get to the Celtics Mm -hmm. perspective in a little bit, but I am curious about this because he comes back. He was obviously going to be a tough guy to retain because he was playing behind Ja and doing so well in those situations when Ja would miss time that you would think another team would look at him and give him starting level money give him starting level opportunity Uh, and he ended up going back to Memphis on a solid deal that I thought you know would keep him there for a little bit longer but you start hearing those reports those rumblings a couple weeks ago that he was looking for a little bit more opportunity even with Ja missing time with the suspension we got to talk about that as well Um, but he it looks to me like he kind of pushed his way out of here a little bit and he ends up in Washington in this deal a spot where he's going to be able to play a ton score a ton really show what he's made of. I mean, he might be uh, that team's best player right now, left over once all the dust settled there. But how did this, like you mentioned Smart being viewed at as a wing defender. He's obviously going to be that point guard too. Not only uh, John Morant's place initially, but also Tyus Mm -hmm. Jones' place as that backup. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so here's the thing about the Grizzlies roster. Last two seasons, number two seed, 50-plus wins, but they haven't been a good shooting team. They've been pretty average and at times they look below average uh shooting three-pointers uh teams when they played the Grizzlies this season when you talk about a starting lineup of Ja, Dez, uh, Dylan Brooks, Jaron and then Steven Adams, Xavier Tillman, whoever the center is there's only one player in that starting lineup that that teams really respect from three-point range and that's Desmond Bain. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. shot above league average uh, this season from three-point range but him taking threes is what teams prefer more so than him, you know, being the dominant force he can be uh, from the inside. So that's the only guy, Desmond Bain, that you worry about from the three-point line. The Grizzlies went out this last season. Their biggest priority was getting shooting. Uh, they drafted four guys who were above 35% from three-point range in college. Then on top of that, they go at the trade deadline. The notable move was getting Luke Kennard, one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA. He got to Memphis, had a big role. But now that leads us to the John Morant suspension, right? When John gets suspended, it's clear that the Grizzlies have a guy in Luke Kennard that they could potentially put in a lineup. But the only way that you put Luke Kennard and Desmond Bain on the floor together, because Luke Kennard will basically be replacing you know, Dylan Brooks in that role, 
The only way you put that get those guys on the floor together is you get another wing defender. And that's where Marcus Smart comes into play. He's not your natural small forward per se, but having Marcus Smart in the starting lineup allows the Grizzlies to start Luke Kennard alongside of Desmond Bain, if that's what they choose to do. Now, alongside of Marcus Smart, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Steven Adams, you got two of the league's best three-point shooters. So that's kind of the bonus of getting Marcus Smart. Because going back to Tyus, if you still keep Tyus, I know pretty much for a fact. The Grizzlies are not going to start Tyus Jones alongside of Desmond Bain and Luke Kennard. They start Tyus Jones, they start Dez, but they probably opt for one of the young you know, second-year guys to start at small forward and bring Luke Kennard off the bench. It was the same thing that happened in the playoffs. Uh, in the playoffs, a lot of people were asking Taylor Jenkins the question, why didn't he go John Morant, Desmond Bain, uh, Luke Kennard, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Xavier Tillman? Instead, he was going with Dylan Brooks because of the defense uh, on LeBron James. He said that they only wanted to have one guy that they had to, you know, that they deemed was not a guy they wanted to switch onto LeBron, and that was John Morant. Everyone else – kind of like the Celtics. They wanted to switch everything else. And if you get Luke Kennard and and Tyus Jones in the same lineup, you can't do that. So that's kind of where the impact of Marcus Smart kind of kicks in because now uh, you're talking about the Grizzlies being a much better shooting team on paper uh, than each of the last two seasons. What do you, what do you think that starting lineup is going to look like without uh, John there initially? Something like Smart, mm-hmm. Bain – that three spots where it keeps getting tricky for me because you probably yeah. go Jackson Adams at the four and the mm-hmm. five, right? And then for who's sure. the three? Right now, I think it's Kennard. Uh, and, and that's because what they're going to do, it's the Marcus Smart effect, so to speak. Yeah. What they're going to do is if you're playing the Suns one night, uh, you're just going to switch uh, Marcus Smart down there to on Devin Booker. Or if you're playing uh, the Mavs, you're just going to put him on Luka, put him on the ball. And if you're playing, you know, whatever the team may be, he's going to get the best wing assignment. Uh, they're going to give that to Marcus Smart. It's not, oh, he's guarding point guards, he's guarding shooting guards. It's not Luke Kennard's guarding point guards, guarding shoot guards. Uh, they're going to put him on the most impactful guy uh, from the perimeter, kind of like what they did with Dylan Brooks. So that's kind of the role he's getting. And then Luke Kennard, you'll see him guarding like the spot-up shooters and things like that. So it kind of works out from that way. Yeah, for sure. So – they're in an interesting spot because obviously I think the guy they wanted to go all in on and it just ended up being too expensive was OG Ananobi. And yeah, that yes. would have been a great fit. He mm-hmm. fits that wing spot. He would have completed this lineup in a way that's more uh, coherent, I think, one through five. They're looking yeah. a little smaller to me, one through three. And we'll get to that in a minute here. But obviously last year, the Dylan Brooks thing blows up. The jaw thing blows up several times. Steven Adams gets hurt, which was a huge deal that I don't think a lot of people gave enough credit to. Um, You know, Canari comes in. He has to figure out what he's doing there. There's not enough time quite uh, to integrate him effectively. And then just a lot of young guys. Clark tears his Achilles, too. So it's just this disastrous year in Memphis, despite them finishing with the second seed. And it almost feels like that step back is going to take a little bit into this year too, you know, depending on how some of these young guys step up, depending on what smarts immediate impact is, you're going to be without Ja for 25 games here. And who knows how he's reintegrated and how long that might take. Brooks is gone. And that's still like the craziest thing ever to me is that yeah. <laughs> like, I can truly say that's the first time I've ever seen a situation like that where the reporting is goodbye. See you. You're not coming back under any circumstances, mm, <laughs> which was yeah. just crazy. And then, you know, we'll, we'll see how the different lineups and stuff come together here. But 
where are they at, you think, in the grand scheme? Is this year just going to sort of be trying to reset and just get everything settled? Or is this team looking at taking a serious step this year, despite Clark probably missing some time here, Morant mm-hmm. missing some time, definitely, Brooks being gone, and Smart just stepping in the door for the first time? I want to take a minute to tell everybody about FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet in Bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets. Win or lose, that's 200 You can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run. All in an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash Boston to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash Boston. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball, 21 plus and present in mass. First online, real money wager only, $10 deposit required, refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets expire in 14 days, restrictions apply, see terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook, hope is here, gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support, play it smart from the start, gamesensema.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Yeah, they want to compete. They want they they want to compete uh, for the top. I I still, if you ask me, what I think, I think there's still one more move to be made. They still have one more roster spot open. Uh, the GM Zach Kleiman said not to expect anything too groundbreaking was the word that he used for that final roster spot. But I think uh, that roster spot is a bit key into determining how far they go because the West is loaded. You know, between the Nuggets, between the Suns, uh, the Clippers being healthy whatever that looks like, or the Lakers, the West is loaded. Uh, the Grizzlies are firmly in the thick of that. They've won 50-plus games the last two seasons. And you mentioned the big part. Uh, no one pretty much dominates the Grizzlies on the boards when Steven Adams is active. And you, if you saw that series against the Lakers, they, they, they were just the little brothers. I mean, the Lakers owned the glass. Anthony Davis owned the glass. And – of sure, Anthony Davis is going to get his, but that just doesn't happen to the same degree with Steven Adams in the lineup. So I believe there's some belief in Memphis. Like, hey, if we get a guy like Steven Adams back uh, healthy, you get job back, now you integrate Marcus Smart, give you some some fourth-quarter lineup flexibility there uh, where you can go Luke Kennard, certain situations you go Marcus Smart, you can go Bain, Smart, you can however you want to do it. Uh, it gives them more flexibility than in the past. And I think because of that, uh, they're firmly in the thick of it right now, but uh, it's it's going to be tough. The West is loaded. Where would you rank them just today before we see the whole picture? Man, uh, I would say, I would say firmly second tier, third, fourth. Because and here's the thing: I think the Nuggets are they're the champions. They deserve to be respected. They are, they are number one. It's them. And then there's this this race. I mean, I think the Lakers right now you you have to respect, but. A lot of decisions have to be made there with Austin Reeves, with Rui Hachimura, uh, and, and whatever else they have to move, move over there. But uh, the Lakers, I would put up there if they re-sign those guys, make a couple moves. I think there are other couple other teams. You know, OKC is going to be on the rise. The Pelicans healthy, 
healthy Zion. I mean, can't they were in that finals mix, yeah. Yeah, they were they were a top two, top three seed uh, when, when Zion got hurt. Uh, so I think a lot of teams are in that tier, but I think the Grizzlies are firmly behind those two teams. I think the Suns can be above the Lakers, right up there, right behind the Nuggets. But I got to see how the Suns feel the rest of their roster. I just can't. It's it's incomplete right now. You're talking about six guys, six roster spots right now. So they got to fill up like nine more spots. So still a little bit early to to tail on the Suns, but uh, I think the Grizzlies are firmly in that second tier, basically a move or two away. Uh, they're right there. I want to talk Jaw and Smart, those two coming together here, because I do find that interesting. Yeah. Uh, and then we'll get to some Celtics talk later. Uh, yeah. I want your impressions of what this looks like on the Boston end. But all right, so Jaw, uh, we haven't talked about this, uh, DeMichael, and I'm interested to hear mm-hmm. your thoughts on this whole saga here. The two suspensions, this one hefty. Uh, some thought it'd be more, some thought maybe too much in this situation, but clearly, um, even I think uh, the GM came out there and said, you know, this is appropriate. There's obviously got to be some, you know, adjustment here. Mm-hmm. Um, figure out how to get them right and back. And you know, it's tricky to talk about because we really don't even know the problem here. Obviously, people have speculated quite a bit on the mental health of John Morant here. Uh, some have said he's just acting a fool. Um, <laughs> and so I don't know exactly what the issue is here, what he needs to solve, but it's clear he can't keep waving these guns around and stay on the court for this team and be a face of the league. So how are you looking at his situation here, his status as the star of this team into the future, and what's it going to take for him to come back and be a stable leader for this group? Yeah, as his GM put it, it's all on job. Uh, that's where it is right now. He's got the support from his teammates. He's got the support from the front office. Uh, they're putting the resources around him. Uh, to help him be a better person, be a better player. The NBA is doing the same thing, right? The NBA has put these thresholds that, you know, haven't been made public. But it was very clear, you know, through listening to Adam Silver talk in the lead up to this decision that uh, the league wanted to put an emphasis on helping John Morant, the person, improve just as much or even more than the, the point of discipline him from making a repeated mistake. So I think that's a big part of it. Uh, where does he go from here? I think – this will be a good lesson from him because now he has to watch and not watch for eight games. He has to watch for 25 games and uh, it's the beginning of the season. So instead of coming back and returning in October, uh, he's not going to be able to play until December, somewhere around mid-December. So it's a good lesson for him. Uh, Jaws going to be 24 uh, when he gets back on the floor. So he's still, you know, very young in, in NBA years. Uh, I, I think, with a guy like, you know, Marcus Smart getting in the locker room now, uh, Steven Adams, Tyus is gone. Tyus was someone that he really respected as well. But uh, those guys being in the locker room right now, especially uh, Steven Adams, Marcus Smart being that new voice who can kind of provide some perspective there, I think that'll be really helpful uh, for Ja as well. Yeah, especially for this team. I think through some of the lows, I remember a few moments last year where Adams was really trying to speak up and get vocal. There were some moments even along the sideline, I think I remember from last year, where mm-hmm. he was just you know, getting into these guys. And that's certainly something Smart's going to do as well. You know, We had, you know went back and forth talking Smart a couple of days mm-hmm. ago, and there were just numerous moments you can think about, the, the chair-throwing incident in the bubble. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Him calling out Jalen and Jason early in that yeah. Doka year for not passing enough. I mean, he's going to speak his mind in a pretty aggressive way uh, 
up to and including uh, saying he could have cracked Joel Embiid's head open after they got in a little scuffle there on opening night last year. I mean, he's he's a big personality, and this team needs it. I think it's going to go over well with the young players there, and they're probably going to gravitate toward him as a veteran, as a vocal leader. Things got a little weird in Boston, I think, with you know guys who were clearly above him in the hierarchy still looking up to him in a way as a leader yeah, yeah. and they're sort of being kind of just this weird leadership by committee that I don't think is going to be as much of a problem in Memphis, at least for now. Um, but the job thing and smart playing next to him is going to be interesting to me because this could play really well. And I don't know what the plan's going to be for job. Is he going to participate in training camp? Is he going to be around this team at all through the suspension? I'd imagine not as he tries to figure out what he's going to do here uh, in terms of getting help or, whatever he needs to do to get back out there. Um, But once they are ultimately united and get together, I have to really think Smart's going to embrace not only helping him on the court, but off the court too, because I think Smart's made some massive strides from a maturity standpoint. Like you, you look back at Smart's story, like there's a lot of stuff about him growing up and just like throwing rocks at people and just doing all this crazy stuff. And you know, I've gotten to know him quite a bit over the last couple of years here, and he really is just this like fully formed, uh, confident, and uh, mature individual who's just really actualized himself in a pretty uh, substantial way over a decade in this league now. Um, and, you know, just whatever John Morant needs, I, I have to be certain Smart's going to embrace kind of being that mentor for him in the locker room. It'll be it'll be interesting to see how how that plays out because uh, you you do get the feeling that he's going to embrace that role, uh, being that new voice, being that guy who has nine years of experience, being the guy who has the type of experience that he has. He's going to be respected in Memphis. Uh, I've already seen you know Desmond Bain is super excited about this move, so he's already going to have the respect. And then we know Marcus Smart is is going to do it with actions as well. I mean, I think you mentioned it or someone else mentioned it to me about just how this guy, like, will will, will dive for the basketball, like, in preseason games and things like that. So, like, that is how you earn the respect of your teammates, you know, by more than just saying you're going to do this, you're going to do that, I want to be this guy. Uh, You show it. And clearly in his career, he's had no problem putting his body on the line and showcasing those type things. Uh, That'll that'll, uh, kind of rub off on these guys as well. But I I think – you know, there's there's a good chance that uh, Marcus Smart could be a positive influence uh, for Ja in the locker room, and he could get an extended period of time with him. And I think that's important because yes, Ja is going to be suspended for the first 25 games, but I think at some point before that 25 game period is up, he's going to be allowed to come around the team. You know, at some point, and once once that time uh, window opens up, I'm sure you'll spend you know a lot of time with Marcus Smart, and that'll be really helpful for him. All right, let's get to some Celtics here. I'll give you uh, my reaction to this trade and what I'm thinking about here from a Celtics perspective, and I want to get yours as well. But uh, there you go, fact and meals. I got some coming in the mail next week. I'm excited for that. We'll have the other guys back uh, later this week looking ahead to free agency, maybe even tomorrow, but uh, we'll have an update on that. What was your first reaction to this from a Celtics perspective, Michael? Uh, I, for a while, have, have thought that, that Tyus Jones would make a lot of sense for the Celtics. So uh, once once we initially saw the deal, the first thing that we saw was Tyus Jones being shipped to Washington. And then as 
the deal materialized and more reporting, you know, the news came out. That's when we learned that Marcus Smart was being shipped to Memphis immediately, you know, because of the previous trade that was in the works. You knew it was a three-team deal. But I was wondering, I was like, man, you know, I'm sure Tyce Jones was a guy we've talked about pretty much, you know, the entire offseason as someone who would make a lot of sense in Boston. But I, I get it, you know, Kristoff uh, Porzingis. This is an incredible addition uh, for that team. So with the picks, though, the two first-round picks, I know everyone everyone immediately started talking about that because on surface level, it's two first-round picks, right? But uh, the Grizzlies expected to contend. Uh, one of the picks was 25, and then I think next year's, the 2024 pick is, the one, is Golden State's. So that one doesn't have as much to do with the Grizzlies as it does with the Golden State Warriors, who – clearly with the addition of Chris Paul uh, intend on being, you know, a championship contender this year. So uh, the the Celtics have drafted well in the past. So I, I think they could turn those first round picks into something nice. Uh, people were saying, oh, did the Grizzlies give up too much? Well, here's the thing. The way the Grizzlies roster is constructed, we – People here, we never thought they, they were going to use the first-round pick. I, I never thought that that was an option. It was either trade for a, a player that they can uh, add to this year's team or it was trade back into the draft from 25 to 30, 31, 32, and to the early second round. Uh, because, quite frankly, the Grizzlies went into the offseason with 14 players on standard contracts. So if you draft the player in the first round, that's another guaranteed contract, and that gets you at 15 players. So – Clearly, this team, as we said earlier, they want to compete for a championship. And last year, they drafted four guys. They, they don't want to do that anymore. They, they're not – they develop – you look at their entire starting lineup, it's pretty much guys that have been developed around the Grizzlies. That is not the way uh, that they, they want to kind of continue to grow the team from here. It's now it's about getting guys like Marcus Smart and adding those, you know, missing pieces to the locker room. So, uh, from the Celtics' perspective, it made a lot of sense to me because – uh, as I was telling you earlier, you know, seeing that the Celtics are about to have a lot of money tied up to a couple guys, and you're talking about not even luxury tax, you're talking about possibly getting into the second apron uh, for the Celtics sometime here soon. Uh, they're going to have to draft you, though. And now uh, getting those two first-round picks, you're talking about potentially getting two rotation players uh, for very cheap contracts. So it makes a lot of sense for the Celtics. Yeah, I – I need to see the full picture ultimately, and we won't know yeah, the full yeah. story of this trade exactly. until years down the line. And a lot of this stuff does go in steps. Of course, the first mm-hmm. pick that they got from Memphis, they ended up trading back for, you know, boatload of seconds. Yeah. And, you know, I think they're ultimately going to use those probably to sign and trade Grant, get a TPE, and who knows down the line what, what they end up getting for that TPE. That's my prediction on the Grant yeah. front, which, you know, I think is what everyone's interested in next after this move here. But, yeah. Of course, you know, my heart sank when I saw they traded smart. I mean, this this is a guy like, you know, uh, when I first started blogging about this team in 2015, he was that rookie. He was the fabric who wove throughout the last decade of this team's rise yeah. from, you know, a middle-of-the-pack team in the East to that top team in the East by 2017. And they've been there just about ever since with him in that starting lineup uh, alongside a bunch of different guards there. So, this is a real gut punch to Celtics fans. And I think mm. it's going to take some time initially for quite a few to get over it. But he's also, as I wrote to you, uh, one of the most divisive 
Yeah, I, I noticed that. I noticed that. In Celtics history, like half the fan base, I'd have to say, you know, maybe a little bit more than half loved him and wanted him to retire in green and win a championship here and everything else. And quite a few in this chat, and I even remember the early shows we used to do um, after games, he drove them crazy, whether it was the shot selection or, uh, I don't know, stuff he said or just his overall kind of erratic play, you know, which was a lot more erratic years ago. I think he's really reined things in quite a bit. Yeah. Some people thought he was the issue on this team, and I guess we're going to see. Ultimately, I thought the best case for this, and I forget who said it, was that if the Celtics didn't try to shake up this core, they would never know how it was going to go. But I do think his leadership impact here was real. I do think it's going to be a little bit of a shock that it's not around them when things open up here at training camp. Mm -hmm. And I do kind of wonder, obviously on paper, this looks like a massive talent upgrade, uh, but another comparison of this deal I would throw out there was that Perkins deal for Jeff Green back in 2011. Mm-hmm. Not quite the same level of players and talent gap there, but similar, I think, in that Smart was a fixture in this locker room. And it's going to be a massive, massive loss in the room, I think, uh, having him out of there. Not to mention in the passing game, where I think they've landed, ended up becoming a little bit weak here. And we'll see how Porzingis replaces him. Um, it's yeah. obviously much different position here but my gut and my first reaction to this trade was that i didn't love it i think it's interesting i think it has the potential to be great but i also think it has the potential to have some really unintended consequences yeah i think with with christoph porzingis you get a new look and i know the passing is is a big point of conversation there but at the end of the day basketball is a very simple game it's a very simple game uh, you identify mismatches, you attack them. The Celtics, uh, the reason, one of the reasons they've been really good, uh, despite not being, you know, a, a Denver Nuggets or Golden State caliber passing team, is because they have players who can attack mismatches and dominate them. Kristaps uh, Porzingis is a guy who pretty much is a walking mismatch. He's seven foot three, can shoot over anybody at any given moment. But of course, as you will see, sometimes people uh, get you know, a little disgruntled with him uh, when he settles, you know, for a mid-range jumper against a 6'5 guard or something like that. So there are going to be those type of moments. But at the end of the day, uh, I think there's the perspective of now uh, when you have that that pick and roll with a guy like Jason Tatum and Christoph Porzingis, uh, they're not they're not going to be as willing to switch that on the other end. It's not it's not Al Horford or Robert Williams, you know, from an offensive perspective. So the simplest form of the game, Christoph Porzingis, if he's a force, uh, if he's having a season like he had with the Wizards, uh, it's a it's a big win for the Celtics. But at the same time, I like to remind people that yes, he's a really good player they got traded for, but you don't get traded three times for no reason at this point of your career. Uh, He got traded from the Knicks and he got traded from the Mavs and, and now he got traded from the Wizards. So uh, there are some reasons for that, but at the same time, the role that he's going to have in the Celtics, is probably a little bit different than each of those, you know, and in in New York, he was pretty much the guy. Uh, He goes to Dallas. He doesn't really enjoy his role because you're watching Luca a lot of the time. And then he goes to the Wizards and has kind of like a resurgence in a way. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But I like it overall. I think there's a lot of – I'm big on lineup flexibility. And 
the Celtics are one of the best teams when it comes to creating those lineups uh, flexibility. You know, we see, you know, sometimes they can throw Derek White, Marcus Smart. You can put Jalen Brown at the two, go big, uh, have Robert Williams in there alongside of, you know, uh, Al Horford, whatever the case may be. They're really good with lineup flexibility. But now you, you can potentially throw this guy at the five in certain situations, throw JT, Jalen Brown out there. Derek White, uh, Brogdon when he's healthy, and I'm looking at that lineup like, I mean, <laughs> it's it's child's play. They can they can have fun out here. So I, I think it's a it's a move I would have made too if I was the Celtics. Yeah, I get the appeal here, and this is a guy who could accentuate some of these other players here with the shooting, yeah. the defense certainly. That's what excites me most here is that he yeah he could absolutely thrive in this drop defense that the Celtics play here and. Uh, yeah. become a great rim protector at the point of attack. They were putting Horford in that role quite a bit last year, and he's a little shorter, yeah. not as much of a rim protector, a little older, and they just used him so much last year that they needed somebody to help ease his minutes and game load. And mm-hmm. you now have three guys that I think can effectively load manage each other here, and poor Zingas, you know, Lord knows, is going to need some of that himself with his injury history here. So that does concern me. I wonder how he will fit in this locker room. You know, I think there's been some moments early in his career, and he's getting a little bit older now, probably maturing a little bit, where he's butted heads with some teammates. The Dallas situation, I don't think, probably went as well as he or them would love for it to have gone. Um, you know, he had some off-the-court stuff in New York that's a little concerning. and Right, right. Uh, and, you know, I think overall, it's just a little bit of on the court, the ball stopping, I, yeah. I think the transition for him from, you know, Washington team that was essentially just letting him cook last year into into a third role. And I think that's the tough, if you're talking about a big three and some of the big threes we've seen, if that's what you consider this year between Brown Tatum Mm -hmm. and Porzingis, the third guy faces the toughest challenge. And I I wonder, is Joe going to have him almost exclusively shooting threes as Al Horford did last year? I wouldn't love that. Uh, Is he going to be able to get enough touches uh, for him to stay involved and active on defense because they're going to need that from him. I think that's going to be the greatest strength he brings to the table here. And then the, the the biggest one by far is the injuries, but they do have, I guess, the depth to sustain an injury to him, but not a major one. And then the biggest thing you're looking at here and the biggest difference in this trade between Boston and uh, Memphis here, Smart signed for three years at $18 mm-hmm. million, which is nothing now as this cap keeps exactly. going up. Porzingis is an expiring contract. He's about to make close to $40 million a year, and we keep talking about these cap implications here. They have a tough call on this extension. I think they're going to do it, but I wouldn't feel great about it. Man, it's it's going to be real tough, right? Because uh, we, we see the second apron, you know, luxury tax uh, uh, rules that will come into play with the CBA and, and the new CBA and things like that, and it's it's some strict penalties. And uh, it's going to be hard to upgrade teams. That's why those first-round picks that the, the Celtics acquired and, and acquiring even more draft capital going forward is, is very important because you're going to need those cheap contracts. You're going to need a Christian Braun like uh, the Denver Nuggets had uh, this past season or going out and getting a Bruce Brown uh, for pennies on a dollar. Uh, you're going to need those type of moves. And right now the Celtics don't need that. You know, they're able to pay. You know, Derek White and, and Malcolm Brogdon and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Robert Williams gets his extension and whatever the case may be. But it's about to get squeezed a little bit more here. Uh, so clearly, I think with the Celtics, it, you should be championship hungry at this point. Uh, getting to the finals isn't 
impressive to Boston. Getting to the Eastern Conference Finals sure isn't impressive uh, to Boston at this point. They're in a different uh, tier in terms of that. You know, if, if the Grizzlies were to make the Western Conference Finals or even the NBA Finals uh, this upcoming season, it would be a be a huge be a huge thing, and people would expect right after that them to be in championship contention. But with the Celtics, they're already there. So if you get a championship this season, the one year rental, if it's a rental, it's worth it. Uh, but if you don't get a championship, now you got a big decision to make how this thing is going to work financially going forward. And uh, that's when you kind of get put in a tough position. Definitely. That's my biggest question is how are they yeah. going to make this work from a money perspective? And they might be one of these teams like Phoenix who says, screw, screw it. it. Yeah, <laughs> let's, let's, let's go above that line. Let's, yeah, they haven't shied away from tossing away future picks here. Uh, they've pretty much tossed away every future pick they've had under Brad Stevens as they've approached, including trading back from 25 here uh, for future seconds. And I think teams are a little bit more intrigued by second rounders here. I, of course, Memphis added Gigi Jackson in this draft, who I'm sure they're excited about. Yeah. The Celtics, Jordan Walsh, I have never seen the Celtics parade around a second round second pick round and roll pick, out yeah. the green carpet like they did for him this week. I went to two events that he was at and yeah. uh, they gave him a, a full press conference and uh, they're, they're thrilled. This is a guy who was picked at number 38 overall. So these talent, uh, these talent pools in these drafts keep getting deeper and you yeah. almost wonder if second rounders will become close to, the value of first rounders uh, just because you can almost get equal talent. They're obviously not at the top end, but there are many drafts where it feels like guys from 20 to 50 aren't that far apart. Uh, Cause it's the, just the development of basketball at this point. And then the way the game is being played. Like, I feel like now you have a lot of these guys who come in, you know, they're playing basketball so much growing up now that they're more ready. Like they want, you know, you're, you're not having to throw guys, you know, in the, in the G league, for, for 50 games, you can get a guy in the second round or late in the first round who can come in and, and be an impact player, you know, off the bench. I mean, the Grizzlies had an undrafted player, Kenneth Lofton Jr., didn't play pretty much most of the season, gets one start uh, at the end of the regular season and scores, what, 42 points, I think it was, 42 points, 15 rebounds. Like So it's like there is some value uh, there with these second-round undrafted guys, but uh, it's also with the – the flexibility uh, that you gain from it. Like in, in the Celtics case, you have guys who can play on the ball really well. You're probably not going to get that in the second round too many times. You're not going to get those type of players who can be great elite shot creators. Great point. Ex but you get those good role players. You can get a guy, hey, look, we just need you to play great defense. Uh, you were the Big Ten defensive player of the year. Uh, you were the SEC defensive player of the year. Go play great defense. Uh, knock down that shot when Jason Tatum kicks it out to you, Jalen Brown kicks it out to you. And guess what? You've got a great role. You know, Grant Williams, great example. You know, just, just knock down corner three-pointers, play great, solid defense on your opponents, and you're going to get paid. So <laughs> I think that's a great way to look at it. I'm sure you still follow quite a bit of uh, college basketball down there. Are you familiar with uh, Jordan Walsh at all? And, of course, Gigi Jackson as well coming in here, mm -hmm. these two pair of second-rounders that, to me – and there were quite a few second rounders I liked. I was looking at that more initially, obviously, because the Celtics didn't have a first round pick coming into this. Yeah. Uh, but these two guys, to me, are more of the intriguing second rounders who went because of Walsh's physicality and length, 7'3 wingspan, and Gigi Jackson's pedigree is 
one of the top high school players coming out of his uh, class before an uneven season in college. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've, I saw the covers of Jordan Walsh today, but I wasn't really too, like, familiar with his game overall. Uh, I've seen, like, the main thing that stood out to me is pretty much just what you said, like, just seeing that the guy's 7-3 wingspan, uh, there's some position versatility there. Uh, and I mean, that's the name of the game for the Celtics. I think, you know, they, they love those versatile guys. So he kind of fits that mold. But with Gigi Jackson, uh, in terms of the Grizzlies, uh, I think he's kind of it's a it's a different uh, case scenario uh, because the Grizzlies just drafted him. They're going to put him on a two way. And mm. the idea pretty much is to develop him. The roster is pretty much set. Uh, again, they had 14 standard contracts already up. So uh, that 15th roster spot is going to go to someone likely in free agency. And Gigi Jackson is their developmental piece. He's the youngest guy in the draft. He's still 18. He's younger than Bronny James. Like, Bronny James is older than him because that's the initial class that he was in. But he's a draft and develop guy, uh, has all the talent in the world. But, uh, but yeah, I, I'm interested in seeing how this thing plays out for these second-round guys. Absolutely. I want to yeah. get to your guy. Grant Williams, who I talked to today, uh, who's entering free agency this weekend. I want to get some thoughts on him and what the Celtics might do with him here, what his future might be. So the next big question for the Celtics is Grant Williams. Uh, You obviously were at Tennessee at the same time as him. I'm sure you've tracked his career closely since. He's been a great Celtic for four years. That's my guy. I talked to him today. He said he wants to come back. Mm -hmm. Um, Said he'll be more than happy to come back. He knows it's tricky because of the CBA and this Porzingis edition right. makes things even trickier. He thinks he can play in that mix in the front court, and he didn't um, didn't uh, play a ton this year either. But it feels like to me within the next couple of days into this free agency class here, we could be talking about Grant leaving Boston. That's my read on it. Do you think they should look to keep him, though? I mean – they should look to keep him, yes, but it financially it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, if I'm Grant Williams, I, I want a contract with some years on it. You know, I, I want some longevity here, and I don't know if that's something the Celtics with you know the future in terms of what you're going to have committed to Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and the Christoph Porzingis decision that you're going to have to make. Uh, it's going to be really tough. So it's a numbers game. At the end of the day. Uh, that's what this new CBA is designed to do. It's kind of designed to eliminate the idea of building these super teams where you can give six or seven or eight guys uh, more than $10 million per year, or, or I guess $15 million per year would be the new number or something like that. But uh, that's kind of what it's designed to do. So from an emotional standpoint and a logical standpoint of what he brings on the basketball floor, it definitely makes sense to bring him back. But at the same time, there are going to be other suitors out there I mean, Grant Williams is a solid player. There are going to be other suitors out there that say, hey, we're going to, we want to offer him, you know, three years, whatever that number may be. And the Celtics are just going to have to say, look, I mean, we want you back. <laughs> we can offer you this, but we can't offer you that. And I think that's going to be the situation, and he's going to have to choose. As you said, uh, he's very knowledgeable of the CBA. He knows how that works. So uh, he's not a guy that you're going to game, you know, that type of thing. It's hard to see it happening. Uh, I, I think the Celtics have put themselves in position, you know, with a lot of these these moves that they've made, Kristaps uh, Porzingis being the main one. They're in position to kind of uh, navigate through that. But 
it's hard for me to see him coming back just because of the current roster construction, the future. And the main thing is it's similar to the Tyus Jones situation in a way, uh, not uh, directly similar, but you were talking about Tyus Jones earlier. We kind of always knew, even though it wasn't reported out loud as much, we knew that Tyus Jones would likely be shipped because as the Grizzlies go into this next era here where Jaws going to be on a max uh, Desmond Bain is potentially going to get a max contract. Jaron Jackson Jr. is now in the second year of his new extension. That's around 20% of the cap. But his next contract is going to be the max. So those three guys are going to take up roughly most of your, your salary cap. Then you have those fill-in pieces. Steven Adams is on a nice deal as well. Marcus Smart, as you mentioned, around $19 million a year. Uh, those guys take up a large chunk of the salary cap. You just don't have a lot of space left to go out and go get these other uh, – starting caliber players and that's the situation that the Celtics are about to encounter so I think uh Grant Williams ends up somewhere else next season where would you like to see him where do you think he fits best out there yeah. there are a lot of teams that could use him because uh his his again the versatility I think there's more to his offensive game you know when when we watched him in school we lauded the mid-range shooting and the ability to play in the post and now with the Celtics you saw him kind of extend his range to the three-point line and, and show off, you know, uh, his ability to stay in front of guys on defense and things like that. Uh, I think Houston makes a lot of sense. Definitely. I think that's one. His former coach coaching there too. Yeah, exactly. Houston Houston is probably the, the 1A destination, I think, of right now for a guy like Grant Williams. Uh, I mean, depending on what type of moves, you know, uh, other teams can make, I think Sacramento, again, that's a team. That's about to create some cap space. Uh, Sacramento uh, makes a little bit of sense to me there because they need front court depth uh, now. They, they have a nice little duo there with Keegan Murray and, and Sabonis, but they traded away uh, Rashawn Holmes. Uh, they need some depth there. I think he's a guy that could add uh, some some versatility to what they like to do uh, with Trey Lyles over there as well. But um, I think those two teams stand out to me, but Houston is definitely number one. Yeah, I'm glad you bring them up. That does make sense. I've looked at Indiana. They need a four bad. Indiana? Yeah. I know, I know they drafted one as well, so we'll see uh, what ends up happening there. But mm-hmm. uh, Houston, if it does end up being a sign-in trade, I do think that's a big reason the Celtics stacked up all those second-round picks to try to get something back for Grant. Could you get a Jay Sean Tate? It's a guy who fills a similar yeah, position there. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, wouldn't be playing if Grant does end up in Houston anyway, I'd imagine. So... That, that, would, that would be intriguing to me, at least to fill Grant's spot on the roster. I think the Celtics do need to get something back for him. But that's another guy, like we talked about with Smart earlier. They'll miss that leadership. They'll miss that voice. They'll miss that presence, I think, uh, that Grant brought to the locker room. I certainly will. He, these are the two guys I talk to the most, probably, Smart and Grant, heading out the yeah. door in this yeah. locker room, which is a, which is a bummer. But good, Yeah, good locker room guys for sure. So he's the Michael Cole. You can check him out on the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. Go subscribe to that if you want to get your Grizzlies fill. And of course, you can read him uh, at Memphis News as well. And he is at the Michael C on Twitter. Uh, both these teams are in a similar spot, I think, from a free agent perspective. Friday, mm-hmm. that's getting going. Uh, Mid level, I think, is really, if anything, these two teams. Exactly. Weapon to go out and get somebody. So I'm sure you've looked at the list of guys who could potentially be mid-level money in this market. Who sticks out most to uh, you when it comes to teams that will be using that mid-level exception to add free agents? 
Uh, which players stick out or, or the team? Which which players on the okay. market? Yeah, because certain guys, you wonder how, like if they, like Harrison Barnes is one that I think, I don't think he'll be mid-level exception money, but it'll it'll be interesting to see how the market plays out and he has to end up accepting that because uh, he's definitely, he played better than a mid-level exception player this past season. But that's one that stands out to me. Uh, I like specialists in that mid-level exception role. A guy like Matisse Stiebel, I think with the right team, excellent role for him. When he plays, he's one of the best defenders in the world, period. But he has to play. It has to be the right fit. It has to be the right team. It has to be a team that has a lot of shooting, a lot of offensive talent around him to really make that work. Matisse Stiebel is a guy uh, that comes to mind. Karis LeVert is one that I really like. Uh, Karis LeVert has a lot of offensive game. He's a guy who can come off the bench for any team at the mid-level exception and really provide a jolt, some shot creativity to your uh, second unit. Uh, so he's a, another guy that stands out to me. And then Bruce Brown, of course. Uh, Bruce Brown is a big one. I, 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 know, I, know, I know I know, Boston. I, was like, I know they're going wild over there. They're seeing them work out in the – in, in, in Jason Tatum's shoes and, and and all that good stuff. Listen, that was my pick last year, and he went to Denver yeah. on mid-level money. I, I really wanted to see him in Boston. He had a tremendous year. He's probably earned himself some money here, mm-hmm. at least from Denver, if, if they're going to try to keep him there. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who ultimately gets squeezed to that mid-level spot. Barnes is yep. an interesting one. I think he'd be a great fit in Memphis. Yep. You know who I think is going to be a steal, and I do actually think is going to end up on mid-level money almost certainly because he didn't have the greatest year last year? Seth Curry. Mm, Quiet, a quietly a, a free agent, went to Brooklyn in that Simmons deal, Yep, didn't play a ton. But he was indispensable in Philly, and I almost wonder if he's going to end up back in Philly uh, on a mid-level because that would bolster their lineup immensely. But he's a guy that I think could fit on any team, shooting the ball, handling the ball a little bit, runs the pick and roll well. I I was baffled that Brooklyn didn't use him at all, and they're certainly not going to bring him back, I'd imagine. Yeah, I I know he dealt with some some injury things and all that early in the season, but you figured with with – with Kyrie and Katie over there, he was going to play a big role. But uh, when the roster turnover and all that that happened, it I guess that explains why we didn't see much of him. But yeah, he's he's a good one. He's a really good one. He's gonna wherever he goes, he's gonna make an impact. All right, appreciate your time, DeMichael. Thanks for stopping by. We'll talk to you again before long. I'm sure when oh, the sure. Marcus Smart uh, return happens next year, which is going to be a special night in Boston, and uh, we'll see you out at summer league as well. DeMichael's going to be out there. We'll be out there as well. And we'll catch you later this week with a free agency preview here on the Garden Report. Free agency getting going Friday, believe it or not. Uh, Grant Williams and many more hitting the market. And it's going to be that mad dash to sign these guys as it always is. Good night, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Sign up at FanDuel.com slash Boston. Get in on the action with $200 in bonus bets. 